Offense isn't coming as easily for the Griffins right now as it did during the stretch of games where they were scoring four, five, six, or even seven goals per game. And as a result, they only managed to pick up two out of a possible six points last week. Wednesday night, they pulled off a 3-2 overtime win against the Lake Erie Monsters. Friday, they fell 5-3 to the Rochester Americans. And then Saturday, they were shut out 2-0 against the Americans. While their record in those three games isn't what they would have wanted, they did get some good news in getting some injured players back last week. Mitch Callahan returned Wednesday night in the overtime win against Lake Erie after missing 14 games with a broken jaw. They also saw the return of Tom McCullum after an ankle injury that cost him 18 games. Then on Friday night, they got Andreas Athanasiu back after he missed 13 games with a knee injury. And on Saturday, they got Xavier Willett back. Getting the injured players back was great, but it also took them a little bit of time to get back into the swing of things. Mitch Callahan did pretty good in his first game back, even scoring a goal. It was clear that Andreas Athanasiu was struggling a little bit in his first game. He looked better in the second one back. And he says he's looking forward to Wednesday's matinee game. Tom McCollum played in his first game back on Friday night and let in a couple of goals that definitely were not good. He admitted as much and said it was a little bit of a rough first game back, but hopefully he'll get back in the saddle quickly. After their abysmal 1-7 start to the beginning of the season, the Griffins went on a tear, and that included a 15-game win streak that set a new franchise record. Since then, they've definitely come back down to earth a little bit. Their offense has cooled off, and their special teams continue to be an issue. Their power play is only clicking at 14.5% this season. They have 25 power play goals and 174 chances. That's 24th out of 30 teams in the league, and they've allowed 5 shorthanded goals against. They were absolutely red hot earlier in the season, but most of their goals were coming at even strength. They were getting a little bit lucky and riding a high PDO, and as they've come back down to earth, their offense has tapered off a little bit. Where special teams would normally pick up the slack and you'd start getting some power play goals to carry you, the Griffins aren't getting that, and it definitely hurts them. There was at least one game last week where I would say special teams were the difference between winning and losing the game, and the Griffins came out on the losing end. You can also look at the standings and see they're cooling off a little bit. They have a record on the season of 24-14-1-1, which gives them 50 points, and they've slid down to 4th in the Central Division and 5th in the Western Conference. Nothing serious, nothing to be concerned about, but they were climbing at an incredible rate earlier, and they've been passed by a team or two now that they've cooled off. Getting four injured players back is great, but it is taking the team a little bit of time to adjust, and you can see in their play that they're getting used to new lines again and trying to make that click. Marty Furk, however, remains red hot. He's worked his way up to 24 points in 31 games. He's fourth on the team in scoring, and only Eric Tangrady has a higher points-per-game pace than Furkey. The Griffins have three more games on their regular schedule before a couple of players go and participate in the AHL All-Star Game. Wednesday, they have their matinee game against the Toronto Marlies, Friday night against Toronto and Grand Rapids, and then Saturday, they play against Milwaukee. Then on Sunday, January 31st, the AHL All-Star Game kicks off with a skills competition, and on Monday is the All-Star Challenge game. The Griffins have two representatives at the AHL All-Star Game this year, Xavier Willette and Jeff Hogan, who will captain the Central Division team. Down in Toledo, the Walleye went 2-1 last week in a three-game set against the Utah Grizzlies. Jake Patterson played his first game since being sent back down with Tom McCollum coming off injury, and he made 18 saves, allowed four goals against, and unfortunately the Walleye lost 5-3. Four out of a possible six points isn't bad, and it gives the Griffins 52 points on the season, which puts them at fourth in the Northern Division and third in the Eastern Conference. Elsewhere in the Red Wings' prospect sphere, in the OHL, Vili Sarajarvi picked up a goal and an assist last week in three games. Unfortunately, Flint continues a struggle, and they haven't won a game since December 18th. They're 17th out of 20 teams in the OHL, and they're 14-26 
six, three and two record and 33 points have to be incredibly discouraging for the team. From an individual standpoint, Vili Sarajarvi sits fifth on his team in points with 16 and is only one of three players with a positive plus minus rating. While plus minus isn't an incredibly useful stat, Vili Sarajarvi's plus nine may not sound that great, but when you compare to his teammates and then find out that he's only one of three players with a positive rating on the team and his defensive partner Matthew Henderson is a minus 32 in only a few more games, that puts into context just how much this team is struggling. There's also talk that Sarajarvi may not want to return to Flint next year without coaches Gruden and Karpa, and he would either go to the AHL or return to Finland or possibly go back and play in the USHL. With all the drama that's already gone on on that team, and then drama that continues to go on, it's not surprising why you wouldn't want to play there. That seems like it's a miserable environment to be in. The team is terrible. They've got a lot of um, internal drama and politics going on, and I honestly couldn't blame Vili for not wanting to play there. However, he may not have a ton of options. I'd personally love to see the Red Wings bring Sarajarvi to Grand Rapids next year. He'll only be 19, but they could bring him to the OHL because when they drafted him, he wasn't in the CHL yet. So that NHL-CHL agreement where we would, he would have to be 20 is not applicable. I'm not sure if the Wings would do that this early yet. It certainly wouldn't be typical. And I would hate to see him go back to Finland only from the standpoint of him being so far away. However, I do trust that the Red Wings will do whatever is best for his development and growth. But I can't help selfishly wanting him to come to Grand Rapids just so that I can go watch him play in person. In the QMJHL, Evgeny Svechnikov continues used to tear it up since returning from World Juniors. In three games last week, he had five points, three goals, two assists, and since returning from World Juniors, in five games, he has 11 points. Out in the Western Hockey League, Joe Hicketts picked up a goal and two assists in three games last week and put 13 shots on goal. He's currently 14th in the Western Hockey League among defensemen in points, despite missing 13 games while at the World Juniors. He's also 18th in the entire Western Hockey League in assists. The Victoria Royals currently sit second in the BC Division and second in the Western Conference, with 63 points and a record of 29-15-2-3. It's interesting looking at their win-loss record. Before Hicketts went to World Juniors, they had won five of their last seven games. Then they lost nine of 13 while he was gone, and since he's been back, they've won four of five. And the one loss was an overtime loss. So they've picked up points in every game that he's been back. With how big of an impact he has on the ice, whether he's putting up points or not, and how much time he plays in every situation, it's not hard to believe that he he has a significant impact on the team. Dominic Turgeon continues to put up more than a point per game for the Portland Winterhawks. In four games last week, he picked up five points, three goals, and two assists. He's currently 23rd in Western Hockey League scoring with 49 points, and he's 22nd in WHL goals with 24. 22nd place doesn't sound all that impressive, but he's only seven goals behind the league leader. He's also first on his team in points with 49, goals with 24, is tied for team lead in power play goals with eight, and leads the team in and shorthanded goals with three, one of those which he picked up last week. Over in Europe, Axel Holmstrom's slow start to the season seems like it's miles away at this point. In three games last week, he picked up three points, a goal and two assists, and he's currently first among all junior players in points with 20. He's second among all junior players in the Swedish Hockey League in face-offs at 51.27%, first among juniors in power play points with nine, and power play time on ice per game at two minutes and 58 seconds. The goal that he scored last week was kind of a fluke 
spooky goal. And somebody commented afterwards, Axel, you're getting points everywhere now. And in typical Holmstrom fashion, he said, yeah, when the bounces go with you, everything goes your way. Regardless of the things are going well or he's struggling, Holmstrom handles everything with grace, poise, and humor. I love this kid. Christopher N. only played one game with For London in the SHL last week, and he didn't register anything on the score sheet in a 2-0 win. However, his team also advanced to the Champions Hockey League final game with a 6-1 series win over HC Davos. The final game in the CHL will be played on February 9th. It was also announced last week that Julius Vatalo has signed a one-year extension with TPS Turku, so he'll remain there for at least another season. You guys only sent me two prospect questions this week, so I got it easy. Punk Child P asked, what do you think the chances are that we see Mantha or Bertuzzi up in the NHL this year? I don't think we'll see Tyler Bertuzzi at all unless some tragedy were to happen. The Wings would have to be so decimated and then go through all of the call-ups ahead of him in Grand Rapids. Mantha, I think it's possible we could see a call-up later in the season, but I kind of think it would be like if the Griffins had an early round exit and he was called up as a black ace, but I don't think he'll play this year at least. We've already seen Tangrady get the call-up and play a game, and Tomas Nosek and Andreas Athanasiu are definitely still ahead of him on the depth chart. The only way I could see them calling Mantha up is if they wanted to get him in a game in a limited role and give him a little taste, and it was in between Griffin's games or some time when he wasn't going to miss in Grand Rapids. Eric Jalhausen asked, Ferk, is he ever going to play for the Wings or should we flip him while he's hot? I still have a lot of doubts that Marty Ferk will ever play for the Red Wings. As for flipping him while he's hot, trying to figure out fair value for NHL trades is definitely not my strong suit, and it's especially difficult when it comes to prospects because Marty Ferk is a completely unproven commodity. After three years pro, he's finally starting to look like we would have expected him to do when he first came to the AHL. Sure, he's playing great right now and he's putting up points, but if I'm any other team in the NHL, I probably have at least one guy like that already in my organization that maybe is doing well or was a slow learner, whatever the case may be. If the Wings definitely thought they'd had no plans for Marty Furk in the future and they didn't want to take the time to let him continue playing and see if his stock could rise, if they did decide to trade him or flip him, by himself, I don't think he has very much value at all and you'd probably end up getting a pick in the draft that's even lower than where you took Ferk. You know, something that I don't think would be worth it. If the Wings surprised us all and made some kind of a big trade, Ferk could be a guy that's more of a throw-in, but on his own, I don't think he has very much value. So unless some great opportunity came up, my opinion would be to keep him in Grand Rapids because even if he only played in GR, the value that he brings to that AHL team is very possibly higher than the value that you would get in return for just him alone. And that's all I've got for now. So until next time, that's what's going on in the world of Red Wings prospects.